Hey, I'm Allison. And I'm Courtney. And we're just two friends who are going through the whole bariatric surgery thing together. Join us on our journeys as we walk you through the pre-op diets, eventually our surgeries. And then, you know, whatever comes next. Welcome to episode nine of the No Guts, No Glory podcast. We are so, 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 so excited to get to talk to Rachel from Rachel underscore bypassed underscore to underscore game on Instagram. We are huge fans. Um, We're already best friends. We've been talking prior to recording. So super excited (laughs) to get to share Rachel with you guys. Um, Hi, Rachel. How are you? Hey, great. I am great. I I love that you said we're already basically best friends because that's how I feel (laughs) after six episodes of the podcast. Yes. (laughs) This is Allison gets, uh, so when I moved away from Allison, we would have these chats and I'm like, oh, I still, I feel like I'm sitting in your living room. (laughs) So now we're just talking about weight loss surgery and doing it on a podcast, which is pretty great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, why not? We're so excited to have you, Rachel. Thanks for taking time out today. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. So I, you had a different procedure than either of us did. I know. Um, So if we just like hop right into it, do you want to tell us which weight loss surgery you chose and why it was the right choice for you? Yes, let's do it. Um, (laughs) So based on my name with all my underscores, you're welcome. I know that was fun to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had the Ruin Y gastric bypass and, um, I actually, uh, when I initially met with my surgeon, he was like, well, you're really a good candidate for any of them. So which one do you want? And I was like, um, I mean, can we get through all the pre-testing before I decide? And I immediately said no sleeve. Like I was like, I don't want the sleeve. I don't want to have to worry about a potential revision in the future. If the bypass could potentially get rid of heartburn for the rest of my life, then I like that idea. Um, so I was, I knew immediately I didn't want the sleep and it's nothing against the sleep. I was just like, if I'm going to go have surgery, I want good results. I want the best of the best results. And so I know that Courtney, you're having DS, right? Yes. Yeah. That's the cat. <laughs> okay. And then, <laughs> and then I, so I was deciding between the Cadillac and the OG. That was kind of like my thought process. I got the OG and then I got the Cadillac. And so honestly, I was leaning towards the DS for a long time. And it wasn't until Um, And we'll get into all of this, but my entire pre-op, everything was during the beginning of COVID. So from from March 2020 until I had surgery November 2020. Um, So everything I did was through the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, I only met my surgeon in person (laughs) the day he did my endoscopy. And so I know, I know. And so when he came in the room to tell me about my endoscopy, I like nailed him with every question that I could think of that maybe I had forgotten during our Zoom meetings or whatever. And I wanted to ask him to his face, like my, my biggest why for, for having bariatric surgery 
is because we have struggled with infertility. And um, it's something that I felt like the, if I can lose some weight, then maybe this could happen for us. And so I asked him to his face (laughs) while I'm still in the bed, you know, and I said, I need to know what your thoughts are as a bariatric surgeon, if I would choose a gastric bypass versus a DS. And he said, I think either option would be fine. But my, my concern, because there's not as much research out there is pregnancy after a DS, um, what that looks like and, um, the potential for, uh, vitamin deficiencies. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And that night when I got home and talked to my husband, who's also named Rob, just so we all know, I have a Rob (laughs) at home also. Um, they're the best. They are pretty great. Jeffs are okay too. Jeffs are okay too. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I got home and I talked to my husband and I was like, look, if my big why for this is for us to try and be able to start our family, I want to go with the option that has the most research behind it and has the best options for us. And that is why I chose the bypass. So that was a really long story to say that's why, but that's why. (laughs) No, it's such a good, um, it, uh, it was something that my doctor asked me too. He was like, we need to talk about fertility. We need to talk about like, I, um, yeah, we'll, I, we will definitely talk about this, but like yes. sign your life away that you won't get pregnant for 18 months after. Yeah. Um, and he said the same thing. He was like, you know, just the amount of vitamin deficiency. He's like, it's definitely something that like you would have to keep up with the entire time. So it is, it's real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you have had amazing results. Uh, I feel like it's incredible. So you, when you started, you were doing, I mean, I'm sure that you have done other things as well, but I know you had a lot of success with Weight Watchers. Was yes. there like a moment for you that you decided to try surgery instead? Well, again, with the infertility, it's a real joy of my yeah. life. Um, no, it, it's the worst thing ever. It's and I'm not trying to make light of it. It is no. the absolute worst thing ever. And I, anybody that has struggled with infertility, God love you. And I hope and pray that everybody gets the opportunity to have their longing in their heart filled in whatever way God intends. But all that being said, um, so in 2018, um, we had been actively trying for years. So we got married in 2010 and never tried to prevent pregnancy. Um, I have a whole other story that we could get into another time, but my husband was struggling with alcohol addiction the first seven years of our marriage. Um, and praise the Lord, he's going to be five years sober in April, but, um, I love that. Thanks. Me too. It's really great. I was going to say that is a success for, that is a partnership effort and I'm very happy for you guys. Yes, it Mm -hmm. it definitely takes two. Um, But so the first seven years of our marriage, we were trying, but when I say um, God had other plans, he had other plans and that was not something that was working out for us. And 
Um, I wasn't actively trying to see a fertility doctor or anything because in my heart, I knew it wasn't time. Like I was hoping and praying we would get pregnant, but I knew that until he was in a better place, that it wasn't something that we needed to invest a bunch of time or money into. So, um, when he got sober, um, in 2017, we waited a full year before we even really started getting into seeing fertility doctors or anything. So when we, once he was a year sober, we started actively trying and we're getting nowhere, nowhere. And so, um, we, I talked to my OB in 2018 and she said, you know, Rachel, you're not getting any younger. And I said, thank you so much. Um, (laughs) great messaging. I'm feeling really good. Um, and she also was like, and you know, with your weight and I'm like, yes, I, I, okay. It just hit me with all of it. Just keep piling it on. Um, she said, but I think that it's time for us to pursue other options. And she referred me to an RE, which is a reproductive endocrinologist, I think is it, but it's a fertility doctor. And we had our first appointment there in November, 2018. And the doctor came in and she said, well, you know, we can start testing and things, but we can't even pursue anything until your BMI is X. And I don't even, I can't even tell you what it was at that point, but she was like, we can't do anything. We can't do IUI. We can't do IVF. IVF, you have to have an even lower BMI. And she was like, so you need to lose at least 40 pounds and then, you know, let's talk. And I'm like, okay. I immediately joined WW, also known as Weight Watchers for us in our thirties that know what Weight Watchers is, (laughs) Um, but I went and joined WW and it had just changed to that. And so I still think it's weird to call it WW, but whatever. Me too. No offense, Weight Watchers. (laughs) No, but it's like (laughs) www.com. Right. That's what I think too. I'm like worldwide, but not web. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) So I went that next day and I joined And, um, I actively did Weight Watchers for seven months. And the only reason I did it so long is because I kept getting people to sign up for it. And then every time you had a friend sign up for it, you got a free month. So I signed up initially, like, and you got the first three months free and I'm like, okay, we'll see how this goes. And it was going okay. Um, and then I got a friend that signed up for it, another friend that signed up for it. So I ended up with like seven free <laughs> months. And I was like, I'm just going to keep going. And yeah. um, I had lost the 40 pounds. And I was like, awesome. I I mean, the day I lost 40 pounds, I called that doctor's office. And I was like, I've lost 40 oh, pounds. Yeah. Woo, woo, woo. You know? <laughs> and See you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So in the meantime, like we had done all the testing, like genetic testing, they did the testing for my eggs. I met Wanda a lot of times. If you are not in the infertility world, Wanda (laughs) is the um, 
the ultrasound-ish machine that looks like mm-hmm. a dildo. We're going to be really honest. So I'm sorry <laughs> for my language, yes. but it does. I they put a condom most on women it. know exactly. Yep. <sighs> so <laughs> she's fondly called one. Oh, geez. Welcome to my lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little, and that's just the way it is. And my husband did his testing. We did genetic testing. We found out that there literally is no reason on God's green earth, why we can't get pregnant. Nothing can be identified. And it's a wonderful feeling when they say, well, everything should be fine. You're just fat. And you're like, thank you. Um, So I lost the 40 pounds and I called and I said, I lost the 40 pounds. And they're like, okay, great. We're going to bring you in. The nurse is kind of looking at it. She goes, and how tall are you? And I was like, I'm 5'10". Like, I don't know. I'm I like the look on her face. I knew there was a, this was a trick question. And when I originally went, they put me in at taller than what I actually was. And I'm a tall girl. Okay. So not many girls walk in there that are 5'10". And I don't know what height they put me at, but they had me taller. But when you're not as tall as they think you are, then um, it spiked my BMI back to where we couldn't do IVF. And so I think I would have put, thrown things. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was not happy. I don't think I've ever seen a I... bill from them. <laughs> like, I don't think I've seen an actual bill. <laughs> but um, so we went into the consultation room again to wait for the doctor to come in. And I just cried and cried. And I said, look, I have been working to lose this weight. And you're telling me that I like still am not going to be able to try and have babies. And so she begrudgingly said, well, we can try IUI. And I was like, okay, then let's do it. When can we try? Like, what do you, do you need him to go fill a cup right now? Like, what, what do we need to do? Um, Mm -hmm. So we tried IUI that next cycle and two cycles after. So we had three IUI attempts, none of which were successful in any way. Um, and we were getting ready to move into a brand new home. And so I said, okay, well, let's wait until into 2020. And so it's 2019 by this point, sorry, in case I lost you in the timeline. Um, so let's, let's wait until 2020 and then look at this again and I'll keep trying to lose weight. Well, I stopped doing WW and we moved and the pressure of life, I literally gained all 40 pounds plus 20 of its closest friends back from September until the first of the year. So like January 1st, 2020, I, you know, everybody's, I've been at that point, I was Rachel losing to gain on Instagram because I was Mm -hmm. trying to lose weight and gain a family. Um, And so I felt so defeated. I felt like I'm never going to get this chance. And I had been thinking about weight loss surgery for about three years. And I was like, no, no, I can do it on my own. I can do it on my own. I got this. I got this. And January 1st came and I start seeing all people's goals and ambitions and excitement for going into 2020. And boy, were we all let down. But uh, I, I was like, I was like, um, I have to do something and I have to. Like I in no way am in a healthy place to have a baby, much less even try. Like I have no business even trying at this point. Like that's how I felt. And I was like, I have to do something. And I, I got online at work 
and I pulled up my benefits page and I pulled up what the requirements from my insurance and I called the doctor's office and I got their information and I came home and I showed Rob and I said, what do you think if I want to do this? And he said, well, I think it's your body and you need to do whatever you need to do for yourself. And I'm going to support you hundred percent. I want to thank you or like, so it's not something that we've talked about before. It's not something that like we've dived besides like a comment here or there from me about it, but the struggle of infertility is so real. It is often related to weight and it is so painfully heartbreaking. Um, So the fact that you're just willing to candidly share about it, I think is incredibly both strong and um, I, I can't imagine that it's not helpful for somebody listening. So um, that's one of the things I really love about your page is that you talk about it and it's something that it just gets like tucked away and not talked about enough. And I know, I think from like 20 to 25, I felt so alone in the world. So, um, yeah, us 30 year olds out here, like talking about it now, (laughs) hopefully the following generation doesn't have to feel like that. So, I mean, I just think it was just, I mean, thank you so much for sharing all that because it is, it's just a heartbreaking thing that I don't think unless you go through it, you have any idea, but like I've had so many friends go through IVF and failed IVF, you know, it is just, I feel helpless as a person who can't do anything. And, but I think that it is so important to talk about because you can feel so alone because it feels like whenever something's happening in your own life, it feels like it's happening for everyone else, right? So yeah. like everyone you see is pregnant and it is just... Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think, I mean, <laughs> life is so hard and whenever we have any kind of struggle, whether it be weight loss, whether it be infertility, any kind of health crisis, or um, I'm sure you must have felt alone in like just a lot of the things that you've shared so far, it's just nice to chat about these things because you're, no one's ever alone. We've all gone. There's definitely people out there in the world that go through these things and it can only be positive to talk about it because otherwise it just builds and builds and builds in your head. So I will share that I had someone like super close to me um, in my family who looked at my husband and I, we also got married in 2010. Um, We did not, do anything to prevent being pregnant. And uh, it just never happened. And eventually we got to the point where like, I knew I had had, I knew I had PCOS when we got married. We had definitely talked about the idea that I might not be able to have kids. We had talked about like, what would adoption look like? What does like being that traveling aunt and uncle that go around the country look like? Like what are the different possibilities? And Rob has always been the most supportive. Um, but then I also found out that I have endometriosis and um, it just exacerbates it. We maybe were like five years into being married and we had gone home and they were like, "Why are, when are you going to start having kids? And these are people who like have taken me to these appointments. They know about the PCOS. And this family member just looked at me and looked at Rob and he was like, well, if that was my wife, I'd have her on a diet plan so she could lose weight and get pregnant. Oh, no, he didn't. And yeah, 
because you know, right? Like there's this whole thing with weight loss where you just gain and it comes back and you lose and then you're, you work so hard and then you resume any amount of normal life and it's your body is just fighting you and you have all these things stacked up. And then to have somebody say that, I'm like, you just like, you don't know my struggles. And I feel like that listening to your story, like no one knows your struggles and to just judge you based on a number on the scale and what you're able to do. Yes. Absolutely not. Um, yeah. So what, it, what was it like to get your surgery approved? Was it did you have to jump through any hoops? Did you have to like do a pre-diet? Um... I went to my first consult on March 18th, 2020, and that was in the office with a dietitian. Um, and mm-hmm. all the hospitals shut down the very next day. <laughs> so oh <my> <laughs> everything else I did was through Zoom. Um, my insurance requires six months of actively trying to lose weight and following a medical plan. And then additionally, I had to see the bariatric like counselor. Um, I had been in therapy for some time and he, my actual therapist was totally on board and he was like, I'll do whatever you need me to do to help out. Um, and to be the quote unquote person that says that you're mentally able to do this and that there's no concern there but they did make me see their therapist in office. Other than that, all of my pre-op stuff was uh, endoscopy to check my um, esophagus and stomach and everything, see if there was any concern there. And uh, they did find out that I had a hiatal hernia, I think it's called at that time, which is uh, part of your stomach is pushing up through your diaphragm um, into your esophagus. So they did find that. And then also they did know that I had a history of um, heartburn. So that was what he kind of concluded from that. And then I had to do something called a swallow test where you drink this yummy barium followed by some pop rocks, I believe they were. And you had to swallow the pop rocks and feel how they felt jumping around in your tummy. Um, I had to have that done. Um, And that was really it. Like there was nothing crazy. I didn't have to have a sleep test done. I've heard a lot of people get those done. Um, Courtney, didn't you get that done or did you already have sleep apnea before? I, they did the sleep apnea in the beginning. And I mean, it was so funny because we went camping this summer and my mom woke me up and she was like, give sleep apnea, go get tested. And I was like, I cannot. <laughs> and, and then my mom yeah. literally goes to me, he goes, yeah, she doesn't snort. Just sometimes she kind of like stops breathing and then takes like a big gasp of air. And I was like, that's literally sleep apnea. What do you, how long have I been doing that? And he's like, oh, for years. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck, <laughs> That was just not. (laughs) So I will tell you, I've been sleeping much better now that I. That's good. (laughs) So when did you? What was that like? Waiting six months, you probably waited further than that. But yeah, because of COVID, thank you. I waited. um, So it was supposed to be six months. So I thought, okay, I'm getting my first appointment in in March. Then April, May, Mm -hmm. June, July, I will have surgery in August. That was kind of my mentality. But then stuff would shut down, hospitals closed, um, they stopped doing elective procedures, all that kind of stuff. So then that got 
like the people that were scheduled for July and August got pushed back. And so it was finally November when I got to do mine. And so my doctor, um, when we did the consult and stuff, he, cause that was somewhere in the first couple months. And then I just had to keep doing the dietitian program pre-op diet wise. Courtney, yeah, what did you do? Cause Courtney, I'm really sorry that I'm about to say this, but just know that we're still <laughs> friends. Okay. Um, the only <laughs> pre-op diet I had to do, which this was hard, but it wasn't a long thing. Um, I didn't have anything until two weeks before surgery and I, had to do a two week full liquid diet for two weeks. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I've got so, one week. How did, so how angry am I going to be? <laughs> okay. So, I just lay it out. Just tell me all of the horrible details. How mad were you? Okay. So do you get to have like vegetables and stuff with yours? Because I don't know what kind of full liquid diet people say they're on and then they get to eat the damn vegetables because I didn't get a single vegetable. For two weeks. I'm afraid to tell you, yes, I get my choice of rutabaga and broccoli. Okay, well, enjoy um, your But broccoli. only a cup. I don't care. I don't care. I want you to eat every cup of broccoli that you possibly can. And I want you to think of me every time you do. I will. I'm, like, I'm so sorry, Rachel. I'm so sorry. Allison will post a picture on our Instagram just like yeah. cheers and broccoli to Rachel. <laughs> Best yeah. broccoli ever. I don't care if it's raw, steamed, whatever. I want to know about it because I did not get to yes. have any broccoli. And when these people say I got to have a, I'm on my full liquid diet, but I can still have broccoli and a protein and I can eat chicken. I'm like, what the hell kind of liquid diet is that? Because my liquid right. diet. Now I can't have chicken. No. This is yeah. how I feel though. I'm like, should I be able to eat these things? It sounds a little bit I know. I don't understand why they're all so different, but Anyway, yeah. my diet was only two weeks, but it was liquids only. So I could have clear liquids plus protein shakes. And that was it for two weeks. Uh, it's so nice to hear you say that. Cause like Courtney does get to eat like food. Like I saw her yeah. menu that she gets yeah, it's and I'm pretty like, rude. what is happening? Oh, it's like, gour- it is rude. It's, it's literally <laughs> like gourmet freaking meals. And I'm complaining. I'm like, oh my God, I can only eat lean meat and <laughs> vegetables. And Allison's like, you need to shut up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you have encouraged me. So thank you so much for, for that. Because I, I just feel like, I don't know. We'll see. I'll do it. I, I'll get there. I'm not going to cheat once I know that it's like the time period, but yeah. I'm definitely terrified. So what does a normal day of eating look like? At this point, like right now. Okay. Right, so at this point, I am um, 14 and a half months post-op. And right now, a typical day, I have um, an egg. And okay, I'm a creature of habit. And I work from home. So I literally can make my meal anytime. I don't have to just like rely on products. Um, I don't really have a lot of the protein bars and shakes around the house because I got so burned out on them. So Monday through Friday, I have an egg and either some ham or um, some turkey bacon. Um, Sometimes I throw a little hash browns. And so then my breakfast is like under 300 calories, but it's (laughs) with my coffee and collagen that I've already had. Plus that I'm already at like over 40 grams of protein for the day. And it's 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like to hit the day running with my protein. 
So um, then I will make lunch. Typically, like right now, I bought a rotisserie chicken at Costco last weekend. So I've been eating chicken every day for lunch. Um, I made it into a um, like little barbecue chicken pizza on a low carb tortilla. Um, one day this week, really uh, it was fire. And then today <laughs> I made probably the best lunch of my whole life. And I took some of that rotisserie chicken, threw it in the pan to saute it up, threw some veggies and onions in with it, like broccoli, bell peppers, carrots. Um, I warmed up some brown rice and I made up a quick little Asian sauce and I threw it all together. We do HelloFresh. And um, before, yeah, before HelloFresh, we did, we've tried Dinnerly, we've tried Blue Apron, but what I came to find is cooking for two people was already a challenge anyway, and you have leftovers anyway, and that is a pain, but now we have two people and one of us only eats a quarter to a half of a portion of anything, so now we're really wasteful. It helps us have a nutritious and balanced meal. Um, and I don't have to think three nights a week about what I'm going to make for dinner. I just open the fridge and pull out the bag and there I am, you know, and that's my favorite part. Which is amazing. Yeah, it (laughs) is so wonderful. Well, I want to talk, so I think that we talk so much about like, I don't know, I think sometimes it gets like glossed over what surgery is like. You had something after your surgery and like your stage three, I think you were in phase three of your diet um, and you ran into a complication. And honestly, I will be super transparent. This is one of the things I'm probably most scared about with surgery. So um, tell, tell us everything. <laughs> so I was five weeks post-op. I was just getting put into my phase three diet, which was soft foods. So deli meat, tuna, um, some soft cheeses, that kind of stuff I could start having. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had noticed the first time I had tuna that I had some pain while I was eating, but I was like, oh, well, I obviously didn't chew it up good enough or I didn't, um, I'm eating too fast or something like that. So I kind of ignored it and moved on. And then the next time I ate the same thing, like it was painful. And I'm like, I don't know what is happening here, but it's got to be me eating too fast. And a couple days go by. And um, I was at that point, I was allowed to start taking capsules instead of chewable vitamins. So I took my first ever capsule vitamin and I, I was so scared to take it. I was so scared because I'm like, so I take the capsule. Everything is fine. I felt fine. Everything was fine. And, um, I waited my 15 minutes before I could start eating. And I started to eat a yogurt. I took a couple bites of that yogurt and I could feel the pain. And I'm like, why am I having pain? And I, within minutes, I got what we call the foamies, which, um, if you experience it, it's going to be in the back of your very back of your mouth into your throat that like you're salivating, but it's not like drooling salivating. It's literal foam. And so that started to happen. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And then I started to vomit and I was like, okay, so I'm vomiting. This is fun. How am I vomiting? Because there's nothing like there's nothing to vomit. I've only had yogurt. 
And then I stopped vomiting and it was fine. And I was like, I'll just give it some time. And the pain was just, it's like in your chest, even like it just was terrible. And so I finally called the doctor and they said, you know, we probably need to see you since you've been vomiting and, um, why don't you come in? And I'm like, okay, well, I get to the hospital and the doctor's like, no, we need to do an endoscopy and see what's going on. Cause it sounds like there's a complication. And so they got me in that day to do the endoscopy. So I had also let Rob know, okay, you really are going to have to bring me home because they're going to put me under. And he's like, what, you know, like <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> yeah, that's terrifying. So they went in and I had what was called a stricture. And essentially it means that the area where your incisions were inside of you. So where your esophagus and your pouch and your new intestine attachment all is, you know, all of that, um, where that scar tissue is healing. It's obviously just like if you got a cut on the outside of your body, you know, it gets a little inflamed around that cut. The same thing happens inside of you. So when that happens, it makes your opening smaller. And I took this big fat capsule and when it tried to go through that opening, it got stuck. Yeah. So my stricture caused that capsule to get stuck. So when they went in to do the endoscopy, the nurse told me after the fact, she said, yeah, he got in there with that scope. And I said, does she have broccoli stuck in there? Because you know, like the capsule, <laughs> was opening on that end so all they saw always was like comes back to the broccoli yeah i know something about the broccoli i don't know guys that's so um, crazy and it, especially the fact that like it i mean it was uncomfortable and you felt like pain but it wasn't something that was like stopped in your tracks like something is wrong yeah no so it wasn't that severe but i will tell you um one of my girlfriends that did have gastric bypass um she'll be three years post-op this year i think she has still had issues with strictures. I think she had four, four or five stretches. So when they go in with the endoscopy, then they put a balloon in there and they just like expand the balloon to open your stricture and just help. And then they give you, um, oh, I can't even remember what medicine they gave me, but it was terrible and very chalky and I had to take it. I had to crush it up to take it with water. Like I had to make a slurry, they called it yucky little slurry that you had to slurp down and it was to help coat your stomach and everything to help, you know, just alleviate and allow the stomach to heal the way it needed to. Um, and I didn't have any further issues with a stricture. I have not had any more issues with it. It happened the one time there are people that have it and it, they do tell them right away, you're going to have to have the endoscopy and the stretching, you know, two to three times usually. That is very normal. One of the things, like, especially because you did this for your infertility journey, and that was like a big part of this for you. Um, what advice did your team give you as far as like family planning post-surgery and what kinds of things to, um, just to take in consideration as you're looking to well, get started? You know, as, as much as I was upset with you about your diet pre-op, you're going to be upset with me as to my direction post-op <laughs> because I did not have to sign my life away in blood um, to say that oh, I wasn't going to get pregnant. Um, they didn't have okay. me sign anything. They didn't have me. Now they did say, Rachel, 
we recommend that you don't get pregnant until you are 12 to 18 months post-op. And I said, okay, do I need to get on birth control? Like I flat out asked because for Mm -hmm. me, it was going to be a hard no. I did not want to get on birth control because, um, all my adult life trying to get pregnant, I didn't get on birth control and I wasn't ready to get on it then. Like in my mind, that was going to be really hard. Um, so I said, do I need to get on birth control? And they said, you know, it wouldn't hurt if you're going to prevent, but if you feel like you can honestly prevent, um, and try to prevent, then you don't have to. Besides the fact that when you're rapidly losing weight like that, um, birth control isn't always going to work the same way, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, that they said, if you do get pregnant, you have a team here that is full of educated nutritionists, dietitians, counselors, we will help you get through it. We will help give you direction and guidance because people do get pregnant and it's unexpected because you've waited, you know, you've had all these years of not getting Mm -hmm. pregnant and now here it happened and you weren't even trying because you were focusing on getting yourself healthy. So if it does happen, you'll be fine. The baby will be fine. We have had people get pregnant at three months post-op and we've had people wait until the 18 months post-op and they all have had healthy babies. But they said, you know, we're, we are here for you. Obviously we want you to, awesome. to try and wait, but we are here for you. And so my husband and I did decide we were not going to actively try until I was a year post-op. And then we would talk about it. So when September of this past year came, I had my annual visit with my OB and I asked her what she thought. And she said, I'm all for it as soon as your doctor feels like you're good. And I said, okay. And then when I had my one year appointment in November, they said, nope, you're good to, you're good to start trying again. Um, so we are in the place of like starting to try. Um, I am an old woman. I'm, (laughs) I'm 37. So in the fertility world, I am getting into the geriatric age, which I literally hate when they say that. Yeah. Um, so like, cool. I'm 37. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. But I'm geriatric. Okay. Um, but, um, I will be 38 in August, so we are just going to try between now and August, and if I'm not pregnant by then, then we will go back to the fertility doctor. Well, we will be crossing literally everything for you. (laughs) So I know I said it in the beginning, but where can we find you on Instagram? Um, It is Rachel, but y'all need to know I like to spell my name real special, and it confuses everyone. So it's R-A-C-H-A-E-L, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, Rachel, underscore, because I want to be difficult, bypassed, underscore, two, underscore, gain. And again, it's because when I went on my original journey with losing weight and it was losing to gain, I changed it to bypass once I had surgery because, um, I'm not just bypassed to lose weight. I'm not just bypassed for my own personal health, which is actually my number one thing now, but um, it is to gain my life back. It was to gain a future that I didn't feel like I had anymore. So I'm Rachel bypassed to gain. That too. I think that's such a great 
handle to have and such a good Thank reminder you. on and just see. I was yeah. gonna say it's a really good just like self check-in and be like, mm-hmm. no, we've we've gained a lot here. Yeah, yeah. No, and I'll amazing. I'll tell you guys what, that, like this is the best decision I ever made in my life. And I know people say I wish I would have done it sooner, and yeah, I could say that, but um it is the best decision I ever made for myself. It's the first time I feel like I really truly put myself first and did something that was so incredibly selfish for me and only for me and my future. And I feel like I've gained my entire life back and I feel like I have a whole second chance at life. So. Yeah. And I think that's a big part. I heard somebody say the other day that it's like, it's literally just taking control of, I mean, like we've all been, I mean, I've been a yo-yo dieter my whole life, lost tons of weight, put it back on, you know, plus more, like it just, it's a pattern that I've had forever. So I think thinking about it, like, it's just me taking control of my life and my health. And it's, you know, it's such a positive way to look at it because you could say, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be huge changes and like, you know, lifestyle, your life will change, but like, I won't be able to do this or have that or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's just so much better to just be in control of something um, in a really positive way. All right. So nineties girl here, completely a hundred percent, but have a scrunchie in my hair. What fatter trend do you hope comes back? Okay. So I've been thinking about this and I have one thing that's (laughs) not a fad or a trend but it's a product and I probably wouldn't even be allowed to have it. Like I'd probably have to dilute it, but um, some Fruitopia. You guys. No, wait, are you talking about the gum? No. It's like a fruit punch. Yeah. It came in fruit punch and passion something or not. Like it came in six or eight flavors. It was made by the Pepsi company. And I remember in middle school, we had the vending machines and it was so delicious. <laughs> and so that's a product oh, I would like to come back. So sweet. Okay. So but, good. <laughs> yes. But here's the kicker because I, w- I, when I was thinking about this, I was like, I could still drink it because it's not carbonated. So it'd be like mm-hmm. a beverage I could have that's not carbonated, but it's basically just like Kool-Aid for a adolescent instead of a child you know oh, like it's so good. the teenage kool-aid but it was like mixing different mashups of flavors um that were always just really delicious yeah all right that's a good one i forgot about it all right so my question is what's one thing about you that surprises people okay hold on i'm about to blow your minds i'm not a natural redhead that's a really great answer because i did not see that coming so it was surprising <laughs> And you know what? People that have known me for 15 and 20 years may find out on this episode that I'm not a natural redhead. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We've had the best time with you. Um, Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story and just being so open about it. I'm sure that, um, you know, anyone else with the same, you know, situations and struggles and would definitely hopefully be encouraged that, they could chat with you, chat with Courtney, Yes, um, I, all of those things. Yes. I am. Yeah. Op- my DMS are open. People can reach out anytime. Um, I'm still not done losing weight. I am still in the losing process and <clears throat> hopefully I'll be done in the next couple months, but I still would like to lose about 30 more pounds. So um, we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, well thank you so Rachel. much. And thanks everybody for listening. 
Have a good week, y'all. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Allison and Courtney are not medical professionals. They are two friends on this journey together who want to share their experience with you for informational and entertainment purposes. While we do our best to try and make sure the information presented in this podcast is accurate and true, Allison and Courtney are not doctors. Always follow your doctor's instructions and advice first and foremost.